of the church gathered at Forest Baptist. So good to be with you, the church gathered and the church scattered. My prayer is that uh, as the Lord has brought you through another week, that there are some things that you can look at tangibly in your own life and see that God is worthy to be praised. Whether big or small, the fact that he did allow you to uh, wake up this morning is something that uh, we ought to give him praise for. There's so many different things in our lives that we can give God for. Sometimes you just need to pause and meditate to think about all that God has been doing. And some of that prayerfully will do that today through the preaching of God's word. Just as a quick reminder, on next week, October the 11th, we will be uh, once again having our communion service. So uh, throughout the week, I believe from uh, 12 to 2, during the week, you will be able to stop by the church and pick up those elements if you don't have them already. I know for if you are sick or shut in, uh, let us know also, and we can give you, uh, you know, multiple months. And just make sure you're taken care of. And again, if you need any other instruction, you can go to our website at fbcnewberry.org. We have instructions there. If you need to contact us, you can do it via the form or you can call the church directly, uh, whatever you need. We just want to make sure we're able to uh, take uh, the Lord's Supper together as something we do in obedience to the Lord. Also this week, I'm actually uh, excited to remind you and to announce that uh, we will be beginning, uh, we will be having our first Wednesday evening soap Bible study via Zoom. So if you know already during the week between uh, 11 and 12 a.m., we have our SOAP Bible study. And, and the reason why we call it our SOAP Bible study, because that is simply an acronym for the way, uh, for just one of many ways that you can study the scriptures. S uh, is you're looking at the scriptures. O is you're observing what's taking place in the text. A is application. How do you apply this particular text to your life? And P is you simply pray through those applications and those insights that you have seen. And, uh, but, but Tuesday through Friday, we meet online. But this Wednesday, for those who, who work the morning shifts or those who don't get home to later or aren't able to meet us in our morning so Bible study, we'll be having our first Wednesday evening so Bible study. That link will be online soon. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with you as we kick off that study. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we dig into God's Word. Oh, Lord God, we honor you. We adore you. We acknowledge that you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Father, once again, the privilege to gather and worship, to lift up holy hands, to exalt your holy and righteous name. And, oh, Lord, right now, I beg that you will have your way. Father, will you take your word and move upon minds and hearts? Father, this morning, we just want to bathe in your word and receive the encouragement that comes from your word. Father, we're, we're crying out right now, we need you. Please speak. Please help us to listen. Father, have mercy upon me, for I'm weak and foolish and desperate need of you right now to take my words and to use them for your glory. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer, for your glory and name's sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes as we gather with one another once a week or throughout the week. Sometimes we just, we just need some good news. We just need to be reminded of some good news that will set our hearts on fire, ablaze with Jesus, and we can move on about the business that the Lord has called us to do. So today I just want to provide us some soul care through the sermon. Can I do that? Just want to 
pray that the Lord would just nourish our souls today. So if you will, turn with me to that, uh, that book that is filled with just balm for the soul. Turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, specifically uh, Psalm 107, if you would. Psalm 107. And as you are turning, uh, the Psalms are, are, are very dear to my life. They're necessary to my life. Uh, I, I, I need the Psalms every day because they provide me with the, uh, the mindset, the renewal, the, the focus that I need every single day to remember that this, this day is not about me. It's all about the Lord, that I'm weak and he is strong. And that he is near and he hears me and, and, and whatever need I have, he's, he's right there. And it's a reminder that though the, um, uh, though the, the enemies of, of our God may, may rise up, they may be in charge, they may look like they're winning, there's a reminder that, 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 that God is always victorious in the end. It, these, these psalms are a constant reminder, an incredible source of strength in seasons of sorrow. This particular psalm has been tremendously helpful to, to me during this season because Psalm 107 is a reminder of the type of relationship God's people enjoy. Psalm 107, I'll be reading for us verses 1 through 32 this morning. Again, if you are able uh, to stand, please do in honor of reading of God's word. Uh, psalm 107 verses 1 through 32. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And the word of God reads, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them in their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them in their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man, let them extol him in the congregation of the people. 
and praise him in the assembly of the elders. May the Lord be blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I just want to speak to you on the subject for the next few minutes. You can cry if you want to. You can cry if you want to. You know, there's this old expression. Sometimes you have to laugh to keep you from crying. In these days, beloved, I dare say that this expression has reached a fevered pitch. In recent days, more and more turmoil seems to be taking place. More and more chaos seems to be on display. And it seems like every time we turn around, there's more breaking news. And you just have to laugh sometimes to keep yourself from crying. When we think about our own lives in our day-to-day efforts and our day-to-day tasks and our day-to-day relationships on the job, doing, doing NTI, uh, being with our families, there are so many times where you just have to laugh to keep yourself from crying. But beloved, I'm here today just to uh, ask the question, so what do you do when you just can't laugh anymore? What do you do when the hurt and the, and the pain and the pressure are just too much and you can't laugh about it anymore? Where the weight is so heavy, the only thing you can do is cry. This is where many are today when we think about all that is going on, when we think about our daily lives, many are even in this position today where the only thing that we can in the secret recesses of our room when no one is watching is to sit and cry. And as many and as we as a nation are are in this season, we cry out like the saints of old and ask, is there a word from the Lord? When there is no more laughter, when there are no more smiles, we just need to give God what we have. And this morning, I encourage you just to give God your cry. A natural human response to suffering is to cry tears. A a natural response to pain is to shed those tears. When when, when uh, you are oh, a fumbling early in the morning and the lights are off and you can't really see what's going on and you find yourself out of bed walking past the dresser and you hit your toe. Oh, the pain. And if you don't yell out loud, I know sometimes you just shed a little tear. That's something we can all can relate to, that something small, but, but maybe there's a particular situation going on in your life that even as you consider it right now, your, your heart begins to well up. Your eyes become glossy, you know, and, and, and you know that if you meditated just on a, a moment more, you would do nothing but cry. Maybe it's a certain ailment in your body that you've been struggling with for, for many years. And, and, and there's times when you find yourself in your bed just by yourself with the Lord and you cry. Maybe it's you are, find yourself in the midst of bereavement, having lost a loved one recently or in many years past. And you find yourself just reminiscing and suddenly you cry. Whatever it may be, the truth is as a a natural human response, sometimes you just need a good cry. Sometimes you just need a moment to sit and just to let it all out. And, and, and that would be a normal and natural human response to grief, to pain, and to hurt. But, beloved, I, I just stopped by to, to remind us that not only do we, as, as the people of God, have uh, natural responses, we also have supernatural responses because of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. 
those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. And a supernatural response to suffering is to cry out to God. We cry out and, and we lift up our voices to the Lord because we know that he hears the cries of his children. And, and we call out, this is not normal, this is not natural, but it is only evoked because the Spirit is prompting you. When, when, we, when you've been moaning by yourself, when you've been groaning by yourself, and the Spirit begins to produce within you an utterance that you can't even put words to, and you just cry out. Oh, Lord, that's a supernatural response. And in the midst of the cries of God's people, we know and we see even in this text that the cries of God's people are but food for the seeds of victory sown by the Spirit. No matter the circumstance, the people of God are never without hope because God hears and helps those who are his. That's our big idea for this text as we look at it even on today. The Lord helps when he hears the cries of his redeemed. The Lord helps when he hears the cries of his redeemed. Uh, the consideration of this text before us is the result of, uh, of, of just seeing how God is, is moved by the cry of distress from his people. When I was thinking about a, 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 a biblical theology of crying out to God, I, I was struck in a, a, about all the times in Scripture that, that the people of God just cried out. And if there was ever a time to cry out, beloved, now is. Just notice in the text before us, repeated, uh, this repeated use of the phrase, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. This phrase is part of a larger pattern in the text, this, this pattern of calamity. And then we see the cry of the people. And then uh, from the cry, we see the salvation of the people. And then from the salvation, we see the thanksgiving from the people. And as I was pondering this text and thinking about all the different ways that, that, that God rescued his people in the midst of their cries, I was reminded by Exodus, the third chapter, verses 1 through 15 that we read this morning, that, that God's people, after all those years being enslaved in Egypt, they had been crying out to their Lord, and God says, I heard their cry, and now I'm going to rescue them. I, I, I heard their cry, and I'm going to move now on their behalf. When I think about the people of God crying out, I think about Israel, and we think about the book of, of, of Judges, the number of times uh, 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 over and over again that they, they fall into sin, and then from their sin, they, they have judgment and calamity, and then after judgment and calamity, they, they return to God, they cry out to God, and then we have deliverance, and God shows up. Time and time again in Scripture, when the people of God find themselves in trouble, they cry out to God, and he responds with divine intervention. He steps in. The possible circumstances surrounding Psalm 107 are, are uncertain. Reference to, it could be a reference to, Israel's exodus uh, could be uh, how they were in the wanderers, they were in the wilderness wandering, and as God was bringing them into a new land, it, uh, some believe that this could be in reference to Israel's post-exilic return uh, to their land. But whatever it is, we see that God's people are crying out. But specifically, the psalm seems to be an, an elaboration, an, an answer to Psalm 106. And in Psalm 106, verses 44 through 47, if you just look back for a moment. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord, our God, 
and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Can you give me a little bit more mic here? So what I do know is that this psalm appears to be part of nothing more than an ancient Near Eastern testimonial service. It seems like they showed up in the temple and folks just wanted to testify about what God was doing in their lives. And, and, and just think about it. What is the purpose of a testimonial service? Why do we come at the end of the year and, and, and give an opportunity to you to testify about what God has done? It's the opportunity to see how God has been moving in and through each one of your own lives to remind us that, uh, that, that, that we ain't crazy, that there's issues of life that come up in, in my life too, and, and, but also as a source of encouragement that the same God that was working for you and is the same God that is working for me. And then not only do we see those things, but we're able to see how, how through God's deliverance we're able to keep on moving. And that's what I believe that he's doing in Psalm 107. This is a testimony service to remind the people of God where they came from and what God had done. The opportunity for them to, to process everything that was going on, to recount the Lord's past faithfulness in order to process proceeding into the present. We, they're looking on the past in order to move in the present. Beloved, this is what we need today. We need to look back at God's faithfulness in the past in order to move us in the present time. In verses 1 through 3, the psalmist simply reminds us of who should cry. Who should cry? It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. That's a declaration. You, you should thank God because he's been faithful. You should thank God because he's been present. You should thank God because he hasn't left you. Even in your mess, even when you weren't thinking about him, you should praise God because of his steadfast love. And then in verse 2, here's the key. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gather in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. He's saying this, this great people that he's redeemed and he's bringing unto himself. You know, all throughout Scripture, as I said, we, we, we not only see the people of God crying out to the Lord, but we're actually commanded to cry out to the Lord. You think about a psalm like Psalm 50 and verse 15, and he says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. He doesn't say, call upon your legislators. He doesn't say call upon your mayors or call upon your governors or call upon your, your presidents or call upon your, your prime ministers. He, he doesn't say call. He said call upon me in trouble, in the day of your trouble, and I will deliver you. I may use kings and queens. I may use presidents and prime ministers. I may use the, the, the people in the land, but, but ultimately when, when you need deliverance, don't come to folks that look just like you. Folks who put their pants on one leg at a time just like you. Folks who get dressed just like you. When you need to be delivered, you come to me. In Jeremiah 33.3, he says to us, call to me and I will answer you. He, he's commanding us, don't, don't, don't just call on anybody. That's like the, the family in the situation, uh, they're having marital issues and and they call upon the best friend who never been married, not in a relationship now. They know they, they can't keep a, a, a boyfriend, can't keep a girlfriend. They know they low down. It's like you calling out to them for help in your marriage. You can't just call upon anybody. And in our situations, we have to call upon the expert, the one who is preeminent, the one who is above all and can do all, able to do the impossible. He says, call upon me. But not only does the Scripture tell us to, that uh, we are commanded to cry out, he, uh, in Scripture we see there's multiple types of cries. It reminds me how when you have a newborn baby in the house and, you, and you're understanding what that child wants, and, and the baby has, has one type of cry when the baby's hungry. That baby has a, another type of cry 
when, when, when they're wet. The baby has another type of cry when they just want to be picked up. There's, and you begin to hone in on the type of cry. What God is saying through his word, he says, you're going to have all kinds of types of cries. But, but I'm able to recognize and know uh, before you even cry what you need. When we look at scripture, there's the cry for help. They're just crying out, Lord, help us. Uh, there's no one around and the enemy is on us and we can't get out. There's that cry with a loud voice where you're just shouting to the Lord because you know only he can deliver. When we look at the Old Testament, we see many times there's that war cry where uh, like when they were surrounded Jericho, they didn't have to lift a finger in order to defeat Jericho. They just shouted unto the Lord. Or maybe when we uh, look further in the New Testament, where we just need to cry out to the Lord, like blind Bartimaeus, when he, he heard Jesus was coming down the street, and the noise was, was raising because the proximity of Jesus to his presence was, was diminishing, and he heard Jesus walking by. He cried out, Jesus, heal me. Help me, and, and, and all the haters around try to hate on him, throw shade. Be quiet because Jesus is here. You need to just shut up. He says, I don't care what you say because I heard about that man from Galilee, and I heard all, hey, all I got to do is cry out. He, he ain't even got to touch me. He just needs to hear me cry out. Different type of cries, different type of circumstances, but particularly in this psalm, is a cry of deep distress. When it says they cried, this is to cry out with an appeal for something or some action, often done in desperation or difficulty. But beloved, just as important as the cry is the one who's doing the crying. Because the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And there are so many theological implications in just saying, let the redeemed say so. This word redeem, it, it includes the idea of, 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 of being loose from a bond, setting free from captivity or slavery, buying back something lost or sold, uh, exchanging something in one's possession for something possessed by another or, or ransoming. This, this redeemed means that this, this individual has been bought back. They were separated. They, they had a debt that could not be paid by them, and someone stepped in on their behalf and paid the debt in order to buy them back, to buy their possessions back. This is the type of redemption that we see with Ruth and Boaz, where Boaz is Ruth's kinsman redeemer. He is the one that is in the family who was able to, on, on Ruth's behalf, to step up and say, I will buy the land. I will restore what was lost. This is the kinsman redeemer. So when we see the text of Scripture, let the redeemer of the Lord say so, this means something to the people of God. To be designated as the redeemed, you must first understand that you've been rejected. In order to be redeemed means that you weren't, uh, you weren't all that in the first place. To be redeemed means that you were in a broken place of life. To be redeemed means you were separated from the goodness of God. To, to be redeemed means you were lost in your transgression and sin. To be redeemed means that you were welcome with all the other low lives. The despicables, the, the less thans. When, when, when you've been redeemed, that means you didn't have no reputation. That means that you didn't have no glory. That, that means folks wasn't liking you on your Facebook page and, and people were blocking you on Twitter. When you, or when you weren't redeemed, when you were rejected, that means that you had nothing to impress. That means you had no clout. You had no esteem. You had no position. That means you had no privilege. If for those who are the rejected, that means you're, you're low. So for the psalmist to step in and to just call somebody to redeem, something big has taken place. 
in order for you to be called redeemed, somebody had to step in on your behalf and make a situation that was so wrong all of a sudden right. Someone had to come in on your behalf and do what you could not do yourself no matter how hard you tried. Beloved, when we look at the text of Scripture and he calls the people of God the redeemed, uh, all we should... Uh, well, all we need to do is hear that word redeemed and we should start shouting. Because when you hear that word redeemed, all you should start thinking about what God has brought you from. How he took you out that club, how you took you away from that bar, how he got you out that bed and he moved you away from them streets and how he took that out your pocket and he took that taste away and gave you. Well, whenever we hear the word redeemed, we should remember where we came from. And that's why he says, let the redeemed say so, because you can't be redeemed without a story. You can't have a testimony without surviving the test. He says, you can't be the redeemed if God ain't did nothing for you. If, if you just woke up and, and you had everything all together since your birth and you haven't needed God to step in on your behalf and you've been able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, then, beloved, you ain't the redeemed. But let me tell you, this little boy from Angsta, I'm the redeemed because I know where I came from. And it was nothing but God's grace, but God's mercy. So, beloved, everybody can't say so. If you have it all together, you can't be redeemed. Just being called the redeemed should do something in us. And, beloved, this is why Christians, this is why we ain't a pitiful people. Because we're redeemed. To be redeemed means that somebody was thinking about you when you wasn't even thinking about yourself. To be redeemed means that your soul and your life has been blood-bought by Jesus Christ. To be called the redeemed means that, that, that Jesus Christ, God himself, laid down his life on your body. There's no other life that is greater than Jesus. That's why it says, everybody can't say so. Let the redeemed say so. Beloved, when people see us coming, they shouldn't see us. They should see the testimonies in our lives. So we should be able to tell, say so. Say something about God's goodness. But not only are we seeing a who cries, but further along, the psalmist gives us a firsthand account of what it means to be redeemed. In verses 4 through 32, the psalmist reminds us, when to cry, when to cry. Here we have four examples of human predicaments and four examples of divine intervention. In verses 4 through 9, the psalmist lays out for us wanderers retrieved. In verses 10 through 16, we have prisoners released. Verses 17 through 22, we hear of sick restored. And lastly, in verses 23 through 32, the psalmist recounts seafarers rescued. We have wanderers retrieved, prisoners released, sick restored, and seafarers rescued. Verses 4 through 9, he's talking about a group that is wandering through the desert. They're, they're lost. They're hungry and thirsty. They can't find their way. They, they, they've used their compass. They've used their, their map, and they can't seem to find a place that's for them. And as their souls are fainting in them, as they are struggling with hunger and thirst, the text says they cried out. And the, the result of their cry is God intervening and he says he led them straight by a straight way. I like how he says a straight way because they, they, were, they were just roaming around aimlessly. And God says, I'm going to take you on the direct route to where you need to go. 
Beloved, how many times in our life we're trying to do our own thing and we're going, we going around the block, up the bend, down the road, when really if we would just made a left on man, we would have been there already. Uh, with some of us, we're still trying to get there. But God is saying, when you cry out to me, I'm going to give you a straight way so you can stop wasting your time. And not only does he give us a straight way, he satisfies the longing soul. Beautiful words. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. He's saying for the one who is lost and wandering. You're trying to figure this life out. You're trying to satisfy yourself, but every single thing you've been trying brings no satisfaction. He says, try me. Try me and see. I will pour you out a blessing from heaven that you won't have room to receive. He says, come to me. Cry out to me and I will satisfy you. That insatiable hole in your heart can only be satisfied by that which is incomprehensible. That which cannot be satiated. That which cannot be pulled from God himself. And he says, for the wanderer who is lost, I will retrieve you. For the prisoner, he says in verses 10 through 16, that you were in darkness, in the shadow of death. You were in the midst of brokenness because you thought you were so smart. Because you rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. You were just being hard-headed. And now you find yourself locked up. And God humbles them through this circumstance. Beloved, how many times has God had to humble you? Oh, the times that God has had to humble me. But in his mercy, when he does humble and, and, and we come to our senses, that's, that's when we cry out. Then they cried out. And as soon as we cry out, is it God begins to move and he says, and he brings them out. I like the, I like the, uh, the verbiage he uses. He, he, he shatters the doors of bronze. Cussing to the bars of irons. He, he, sets them, he sets them free. Those who were bound by strongholds and yokes. Those who, who've been in generation and generation of sin. Jesus is saying, I can break you free. You don't have to continue to succumb to those generational curses. You don't have to succumb to uh, that, the, those type of things that you just find at your feet all day. You don't have to succumb to that addiction. You don't have to succumb to that relationship. He says, I, I, I'm here to set you free. Cry out to me. He says, the wanderers are retrieved, the prisoners are released, but then he says, the sick are restored. He says, the, the fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They done, they done sin to the point of death. They don't even have an appetite. They're so sick. On their sick bed, they cry out. And once they cry out, God begins to move on their behalf. And, and I like how the text says he sent out his word and healed them. He, he, he doesn't use the latest medical advancements. He, he's saying you ain't got to wait on a vaccine or a therapeutic. He's saying the FDA ain't got to approve what I got for you. He's saying that the Surgeon General don't know about what I got. And he's saying you ain't got to wait on the government to give you a compassionate use in order for you to be uh, set free. He's saying, I'm just going to send my word to you and heal you and deliver them from their distress their destruction that they're headed for because they've been listening to their own words. They're caught up in their own hype, their own glory, their own press clippings. But God says, you can only be healed by my word. So the wanderers are retrieved and the prisoners are released and the sick are restored. But then the seafarers are rescued, or we can say travelers. And, 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 and I, and I kind of uh, relate this to uh, folks who are just going along about their business, just doing what they're supposed to do. 
It says they hop on the, the waters and they begin to go about their business. And, 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 and a sudden storm comes along. Uh, beloved, I don't know about you, but how many times you just minding your own business, going about your day, you trying to do your job, and you ain't worried about nobody else and their job, but all of a sudden, everybody worried about you and your job, and everybody in your business, and all of a sudden, these storm clouds begin to show up over your head. It's like that. It's like being in a cartoon. Everybody else got a clear, bright sky, and you just walking with a black cloud over your head, and it's raining just over your head, and all of a sudden, the storms of life begin to, to, to rage, and the, the, the winds begin to, to whip, and they get too high where you can't even float anymore and you find yourself going under and you you can't do you can't float no more these seafarers find themselves they was just mad at their own business then all of a sudden the storm came through and I like how he said they were at their wits end <laughs> I like that because here wits end mean past all of their wisdom <laughs> They couldn't think of nothing else to do. <laughs> How many times you've been in a situation, you, you don't open that bill. <laughs> you don't got that phone call. You don't see them with your own eyes. And you're like, I don't even know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I, I can't say I done, I done told them 50 million times. I done checked up and it still fell through. I don't know what to do. And, and they're like, I don't know what to do. So they did what they were supposed to do when they didn't know what to do. They cried out. And the Lord comes in and he made the storm to be still. He's able to enter into your circumstance. He's able to enter into your hurricane. He's able to enter into your tornado. He's able to enter into your tsunami. He's able to enter into your earthquake and say, peace, be still. Then he finishes it up and says, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. You know what he's saying? Just uh, in our common vernacular, you better tell somebody. That's what he's saying. He's saying when you've been through hell and high water this week and you show up on Sunday for worship, you better tell somebody how Jesus brought you through. When that job's been on your neck, when your child been on your first, last, middle, and every other nerve that you got, but somehow you made it to Sunday worship one more time, you better tell somebody when you ain't have no money in the bank and you need a gas just to get to your job. And all of a sudden, somebody reach out and say, I got five on it. And you were able to show up. You better tell somebody about it. When you ain't got no food in your refrigerator and you don't know how you're going to feed them children and somebody show up on your doorstep with a care package, he's saying, you better tell somebody when you have sickness in your body and the specialist said there's no way you're going to be healed, but you show up three months later and they say it's all gone. Uh, you better tell somebody. Can you identify with this? Has the psalmist been telling your story? You ever been a wanderer? Lost? You ever been a prisoner of something just shackled up? You ever been sick and needed to be restored? You, you ever been on the stormy seas of life? I'm talking to somebody today. I don't know you by name, but I'm talking to somebody and the Lord stopped by to give you a message. When you on your last, when you ain't got no more to cry out, you can cry if you want to. You ain't got to worry about being tough. You ain't got to worry about being hard. You cry out to the Lord. Beloved, if, if you can't identify with the psalmist, I, I know somebody who can because he was the one who was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, he was the one. 
who made himself of no reputation. He took off his glory and clothed himself in humanity. He was the one born of a virgin in that manger in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph. He, he grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This one, the same one who walked the dusty roads of Galilee and he healed the sick and the lame and gave sight to the blind. He is the one who was, who made himself of no reputation. And when he came, his own didn't want him. And this same one who, who was able to, to, to walk on water and to stop the raging sea, the same one who was lied on and, and beaten and mocked and spit upon, the same one who was marched into courtroom after courtroom and falsely accused, he is the same one who was brought up on false charges by the sinful government. He is the same one who was convicted to death. He was the same one who was caused to walk up Golgotha, up to Golgotha. He was the same one who they hung on the cross. They hung him high, and they stressed him why. See, but beloved, in everything that Jesus has done, we can't really relate. But what we can relate to was when he was hanging on the cross, on that old wooden cross, and he cried out to the Lord, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Yeah, that means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I don't know about you, but sometimes in this life I feel forsaken. Sometimes I feel like God don't know what's going on. Sometimes I feel like those folks in charge are only caring about themselves. But just like Jesus cried out, we cry out. But when Jesus cried out, God got moving. And he, he, he took the veil in the temple and he tore it in two and allowed us to enter into his presence. And when Jesus cried out, God got moving. That though they laid his body in a bald man's tomb, on the third day he got up with all power in his hand. And because he cried out, he sang to us today for all the wanderers. He, for all those who are lost, Jesus just says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door that you come through. For all those who are prisoners, Jesus just shows up and says, uh, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, when, for all those, because Jesus cried, for all those who are sick, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. For all those who are seafarers traveling on this journey called life, he says, peace, be still. I, I, you may not be able to identify with the psalmist, but I know somebody who does, and his name is Jesus. This is why the psalmist declares, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And beloved, if I could just take a moment of privilege to say so. When I look back over my life, I can say so. When I think about being a child playing with a ball in the middle of the street and dropped it and ran out to get the ball, and I can remember right now seeing a brown station wagon this close from my face, and the Lord saved me, I say so. When I look back, being a fool, driving with my friends down the freeway, going too fast, hit some water, and then the car turned around not one time, not two times, but three times. And when I look up, we were still going straight. I say so. When God took my mother and my father and they made them work. She had one pair of shoes that she wore for about 20 years that I would have food uh, on my table and clothes on my back. Beloved, I say so. I don't know your story. I don't know where you've been. But he says, if I'm redeemed, I got a story to tell. I don't know about you. I'm going to say so. 
because God's been too good to me not to say anything. And he is speaking to our souls today. Though it's hard, though you're struggling, though you don't know your your way out, though, though you don't know your next step, he says, don't worry, baby, just cry to me. Cry out. That's what he's saying. Beloved, that is my challenge today. Go ahead and cry out to the Lord. Cry out to him about this pandemic. Cry out to him about this racial injustice and inequality and inequity. Cry out to him about your economic hardship. Cry out to him about the violence and the murders taking place in the city. Cry out to him about your mental health and, 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 and your uh, uh, stability. Cry out to him in your loneliness. Cry out to him in your medical issues. Cry out to him uh, on the behalf of your wayward children. Cry out to him on behalf of your hard-hearted spouse. But just cry out to him. Go ahead and cry out to him. But then secondly, crying out is a demonstration of belief, trust, dependence, and humility. Go ahead and cry out. Cry out is a demonstration of belief, trust, dependence, and humility. But then lastly, remember and recount the Lord's unfailing love that you may press on today. Beloved, the call of Scripture is simple. Just look and live. Look to Jesus today through repentance and faith, and you will live. Because though the circumstances are varied, the answer is still the same. Cry out to the Lord, for the Lord helps when he hears the cries of his redeemed. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power and your majesty. We thank you that, Lord, we don't, we don't have to be sophisticated. We don't have to get it right. We just need to cry out to you. So, Father, we just cry out to you today as a church, as a congregation, asking you to intervene and intercede. We need divine intervention, Lord, in this world. We need divine intervention in our own lives. So right now, Lord, for the one who is far from you, intervene. Rescue them from their sin. Bring them into your kingdom by the power of your Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Beloved, how will you respond to Jesus' word?